In the previous episode... I'm talking about the FUT2 snout. And so this is a gene that's responsible for our secretion of something called an H antigen into our mucosa. Okay, so you'll if you look at your genetics and your clients look at their genetics, they'll be either a secretor or a non-secretor. And what they're secreting is the antigen of their blood type into their mucosa, saliva, all sorts of their bodily fluids, actually. Welcome to Reinvent Healthcare, a podcast for health and wellness practitioners passionately committed to transforming our current broken disease-focused system. Your host, Dr. Rita Marie Loscalzo, is devoted to helping you get results with complex health challenges like autoimmune, hormonal imbalances, and chronic health challenges caused by nutritional and lifestyle-induced imbalances. Here's your host, Dr. Rita Marie. Welcome back to Reinvent Healthcare, the podcast for health and wellness practitioners who are passionate about making a difference. Today's episode in this series about epigenetics and nutrigenomics is an important one for you to understand. If you're a health practitioner who really wants to help people to get well, not to just cover up symptoms, not to just apply protocols, whether nutritional or pharmaceutical, we are doing a live event that's just right for you. It's called Functional Nutrigenomics in Clinical Practice. And it's all about how you can learn the genetic testing you can do with people to help you to personalize their diet and lifestyle plans. And when you put that together with your typical really great functional history and lab testing, you're gonna have all you need. So join us for an online virtual event that you can attend from anywhere. It's June 2nd to 4th, 2023. And you can get there by going to nesliveconference.com. That's nesliveconference.com. And we'll also put the link on the show notes page. The terms Methylation and epigenetics are important ones in the nutrigenomics world, and most people really don't understand what they are. As a practitioner, you need to be able to explain these terms to your clients in ways that they understand, in simple ways that they will get the point, and you ought to be able to let them know the significance to the health challenges that they're coming to you to resolve. So let's start with epigenetics. Simply put, the definition of epigenetics is the study of changes in organisms caused by modification of gene expression rather than an alteration of the genetic code itself. It's the studies of how behaviors and environment can cause changes that affect the way genes work. Unlike genetic changes, epigenetic changes are reversible and they don't change the DNA sequence, but they can change how the body reads the DNA sequence. So how does this work? There are chemicals called histones that create different phenotypes in different cells from the same underlying DNA sequence. These histones are proteins that act as spools and they wind themselves around the DNA. This affects whether that gene is going to express and how it's going to express. And the good news is about epigenetics is that diet and lifestyle factors affect 
the expression, affect the way that the gene can express or whether it expresses at all. The other thing, good or bad, can be either, is that the epigenetic factors, just like genes, can be passed on from parent to child. So if mom is doing some bad things like drugs and poor food choices, et cetera, she can pass that epigenetic changes caused by those bad choices to her child. Now, the good news is if mom is eating well and exercising and meditating and clean environment, she can pass those same epigenetic changes onto the child. So let's move into methylation. Methylation is a chemical reaction in the body in which a small molecule called a methyl group gets added to other chemicals, including DNA, proteins, vitamins, and amino acids. I like to think of it as a game of hot potato, as when you look at the chemical pathways, you'll see this methylation group, which is a carbon and three hydrogens, otherwise known as CH3, and it's being passed from one molecule to another. For example, if you were to look at a methylation pathway chart, you'll see the CH3 gets attached to folate, creating methylfolate. It's then passed on to vitamin B12, creating methyl B12. It's then passed on to methionine and eventually re results in SAMe, S-adenosyl methionine. Methylation has lots of processes that it helps in the body, that it's involved with in the body, including DNA synthesis and repair. It also regulates hormones, produces energy, protects against cancer, supports detoxification, helps the immune system stay healthy, supports the protective myelin sheaths along the nerves, and a whole lot more. In the liver, the methylation pathway in phase two, liver detoxification, helps get the body get rid of excess dopamine, histamine, phenols, homocysteine, heavy metals, neurotransmitters, and steroid hormones like estrogen, testosterone, and cortisol. When someone I'm working with has SNPs in methylation, remember single nucleotide polymorphisms, those are the variations in the genes, and they have signs of needing to detox, like doesn't everybody, I look at supporting with nutrients and foods that can help them along the way, like choline, avocado, sunflower, molybdenum, B vitamins, betaine from beets, or SAMe, but we have to be careful about SAMe, and I'll talk about that in a minute. Methionine, magnesium, methylfolate, methyl B12, methyl donors like TMG and DMG and MSM. So all of these are specific nutrients that the liver detoxification phase two pathway called methylation needs in order to function optimally. From a genetic perspective, though, there are main SNPs that have a big impact on methylation. MTHFR, MTHFD1L, MTHFS, MTRR, MMAB, BHMT, MAT1A, and AHCY, and CBS. So I'm going to go through some of the major ones there. But here's the problem. Many well-meaning doctors test just MTHFR because that's all they've heard about, and that's what is Western medical standard. And they go, oh, you have MTHFR SNP. Therefore, you need methylfolate. 
And what you need is like 15 milligrams of methylfolate or huge amounts of methylated B12 and folate. And that can cause some other problems. So let's go through some of these SNPs and what they mean. And then let's go through what happens if we don't look at the full picture and what can happen to people if they get overmethylated. So MTHFR is a SNP that has to do with in the pathway of adding the methyl group to folate. So we create methylfolate. Really nice. It's important, right? Because that starts us off down the path of methylfolate going into methyl B12 and around so that we can actually support the breakdown of homocysteine. So the methyl pathway goes from homocysteine and then folate builds right onto it, methylfolate, and passes the methyl group on to B12, and then passes the methyl group on to methionine. And eventually we get SAMe, which is that actual real needed and necessary chemical for methylation. So MTHFR is an important one, but just because someone has MTHFR SNP does not mean that you need to supplement them with folate. Some people get plenty of folate from their diet, especially if they're eating the kinds of diets that we recommend people eat, like high in green leafy vegetables, especially a lot of uncooked leafy green vegetables. So we don't always need to do that. And in fact, sometimes it is not a good idea to supplement with methylfolate. There's another one called MTHFD1L, which has to do with the regeneration of methionine from homocysteine. So it's a slightly different place in the pathway, as is MTHFS. So these are all related to the folate pathways, MTHFD1L and MTHFS. And so somebody can be without a SNP in the MTHFR area, but they have one in the MTHFD1L or MTHFS, and that can cause problems. So another one is MTRR, which is involved with the methylation of B12. And that's where the methyl group gets added to vitamin B12 so that it can push along up to do its job at methionine. There's another one in the B12 area called MMAB. And this has to do with the form of B12 called adenosyl B12. And with somebody with an MMAB, they're unable to create adeno B12, depending on how bad their SNP is. So in that case, it might be recommended that the form of B12 that we supplement someone with is adeno B12 rather than methyl B12. There's another SNP, BHMT, which is kind of like the shortcut through the methylation pathway. So if you think about the methylation cycle as a cycle, a circle, and at the very bottom of the circle is homocysteine, and at the top is methionine, and around the outer side on the left, we have B12 and folate pathways coming in. Think about the BHMT as a shortcut through the middle. So say you're working with somebody who has SNPs, homozygous SNPs, meaning they have both SNPs from one parent, both parents. The BHMT helps them shortcut through the middle. And there's some specific nutrients that are needed to make that efficient. And it'll take them straight from homocysteine up to methionine. 
And it's just an alternate pathway. It's active at the same time as the other pathway. But in the cases where somebody has an impaired outer outer ring, right, with the B12 and folate, they can actually use the BHMT as a backup. Except in the case where they also have SNPs in the BHMT. I worked with somebody years ago who was very sensitive to toxicity. She had a lot of brain stuff. She had a lot of neurotransmitter imbalances. And whenever she tried to do a detox of some sort, whether it be a juice cleanse or some sort of protein powder cleanse, or she just lost weight, she went on a process to lose weight, she would have a flare-up of all her neurologic symptoms. So when we looked at her genes, we discovered that she had homozygous MTHFR, homozygous MTRR, and homozygous BHMT. So her methylation pathways were practically 100% shut down. You're going to see people like this. And when you hear this kind of a story where every time they try to detox or cleanse, they feel worse. They have flare-up of neurologic symptoms or other symptoms. Think about this. A lot of their methylation pathways may be blocked. There's another one called MAT1A, which is involved in moving methionine into methionine. And methionine, SAMe, as you probably have heard it called over and over again, it's the main methylator. It's the main chemical that does the deeds, right? It actually does the DNA repair and the synthesis and all that. So when there's an impairment there, they can have perfectly fine B12 metabolism, perfectly fine folate metabolism. We have a buildup of homocysteine because they get stuck and they're unable to move from methionine down to SAMe. There's another one called AHCY, which takes the SAMe and you know, methylation process, it's in the cycle, goes down to homocysteine. So if any of these areas, any of these SNPs exist, someone can have an elevated homocysteine. So now here's the deal. We have to see if this methylation impairment is actually in effect. The other one, the last one that I want to mention is CBS. And CBS takes the homocysteine down into the sulfation pathways where glutathione is made. So if there's a block in the CBS, we can also get an elevation in homocysteine. So if you're working with somebody and they have a chronically elevated homocysteine and they've been doing the thing that everybody's telling them to do, like taking B12 and folate and B6, and they're not getting better, they're still having elevated homocysteine. You have to look at the genes to see what else is impaired. In order for CBS to go downstream and take the homocysteine into the pathway that creates glutathione, we need vitamin B6 and molybdenum. So a lot of this is, it's really important to understand this, really important to understand this because so many nutrient deficiencies can affect these pathways. So like I said before, so many people know about MTHFR and a lot of doctors are getting on the MTHFR bandwagon and they test people for MTHFR SNPs, but they test two SNPs, the MTHFR C677T and the MTHFR 1298C. And when they test those and they find a SNP, they want to correct this and they want to help their people. And so they give them high levels of methylated folate and B12 and that causes a problem. It causes a problem called overmethylating. So 
They're looking to solve a problem of undermethylation because of these SNPs, and they end up having people overmethylate. And the reason is that well, first of all, just because somebody has an MTHFR SNP, it doesn't mean that they're actually expressing undermethylation. Right? They don't may not need this. And the second reason is you've got to be really careful in supplementing with these these methylated vitamins because too much can throw a lot of other things off. So when someone, a doctor well-meaning, is just testing MTHFR without looking at the full pathways, there's another gene, COMT, that when that is impaired and we have a supplementation of any of these methylated groups, we can cause this overmethylation. So what is overmethylation? Well, Overmethylation is when we're creating too many of these methyl byproducts. And while undermethylation can lead to low levels of serotonin and make people more susceptible to depression, overmethylation can lead to an excess of SAMe. And that can lead to symptoms like anxiety and panic attacks and attention deficit disorder, uh, behavioral disorders, sleep disorders, inability to be able to fall asleep, restlessness. Also, histamine intolerance, which I know I am, and you probably are too, seeing a lot of in your practice. Sensitivity to environmental toxins, somebody who's got high energy, but maybe schizophrenic. So we don't want to overmethylate. We don't want to undermethylate. We want the Goldilocks principle when it comes to methylation, which is we want the level of methylation to be just right. And so you can't just look at the genetics without looking at the symptoms and also looking at what's happening in the lab testing. And there's a bunch of lab testing that can be helpful. The main one is what's their level of homocysteine. That will tell them if they're under methylating. If somebody's got a super low level of homocysteine, that can often indicate that they are over methylating. However, it's not always the key that they are. You have to look at the symptoms, the anxiety, the panic attacks, some of those high energy disordered behaviors. So what should we do if we determine that somebody is out of balance for methylation? Well, the first and foremost is lifestyle, diet. How are they performing on a regular basis? Are they sleeping enough? Are they overstressed? Are they exercising enough? What's their food like? Are they on a processed food diet? Are they eating enough green leafy vegetables that supply these nutrients they need for proper methylation? Are they on a high toxicity diet? Are they exposed to lots of chemicals, which is going to upregulate their need for this methylation, for this detoxification in phase two? So we have to always start with the lifestyle. When we're looking at nutritional supplementation, again, let's look at Look at the B vitamins. Let's look at what is the homocysteine doing? Also, what's the MCV look like on the CBC, which could indicate an imbalance in B12 or folate. We have to look at some of the other indicators because B6 is involved here too. So we have B6, B12, B9, which is folate, but also vitamin B2 is involved over on the side where we talked about before, which with the MTHFSD1. So those are important factors as well. And also zinc gets involved in some of these conversions. So these are all the nutrients we have to look at. First and foremost, we look at diet. Secondly, we look at absorption. 
And then we look at supplementation. And a lot of people do need supplementation. But guess what? My approach to supplementation for methylation defects, methylation variables, is just like everything else, low and slow. You start people off with small amounts. If you want to find out what the just right amount of supplementation of B12 or folate, well, start them with a liquid form, which is my favorite way to do it, liposomals, because they're oftentimes absorbed so much better. So you start them off with small amounts. Liquids or powders, I like for the methylated, I much prefer the liposomals because they're much better absorbed. And then we look at small amounts. So I take a pinch, a couple of drops, see how they respond, a couple of more drops. If you get to a point where at nine drops, they're fine, but at 10 drops, they're starting to get a little edgy or anxious or hypervigilant. And we warn them about the signs to look for. Then we back it off. We back it off a little. A lot of practitioners will go the effect of, oh, don't give them any methylated vitamins because we're afraid that they might aggravate symptoms. And sure, if somebody is prone to full-blown anxiety attacks and already has some anxiety going on or sleep disturbances, they can't fall asleep, then yeah, maybe we start with other forms of B12, B9. But we also know that we need those if they're undermethylated. We need the methylation factors if they have these genes and they're undermethylating. So my approach is low and slow. Get as much as you can get in them without causing the symptoms, right? So that's my approach to supplementation there. So we're here to support people. We're here to support people in the best possible way. And when we look at the genetics, when we look at the genetic factors, we have to be able to understand how these things work, understand how to help people with their diet, lifestyle, and, and supplementation so that we're not shooting in the dark. Remember, epigenetic factors are just so empowering because we have control over a lot of the expression of these genes. So you've got to start with teaching people the basics, right? The foundations, the pillars of health and wellness, right? Getting good sleep, eating a clean diet, avoiding toxicity, moving their bodies, having some mindfulness processes, right? Having a good attitude. All of these things play in to the expression of their genes. And we as health practitioners, functional health practitioners, nutritional endocrinology oriented health practitioners, we owe it to our clients to understand these factors, to understand how methylation works. You can explain it to your clients as a game of hot potato, this important chemical group that, that helps us to detox and have healthy nerves and all the, the list of things I gave you earlier, you can explain it to them. It's just this little thing and we have to make sure we have enough of it. And if you have some genetic variations, you may not be making enough. You may not be having enough of this to be able to carry around the system and get good results. So we're here to support them to get better learn this stuff, approach these things, and download our free guide at reinventhealthcare.com forward slash genes. It's packed with valuable information. It's got some good charts for you to look at, and it'll talk about some of the genetic SNPs that you can use to inspire and motivate your clients to become well. Uh, check the show notes. We have additional resources there, including some links to some in-depth trainings and articles that I've created. And 
Master the art of empowering your patients and clients to use the power of nutrition and lifestyle to optimize their genetic expression. You're going to get great results that way. You're going to have raving clients and you're going to feel good at the end of the day because you're helping people, not just covering up their symptoms. I don't know about you, but that's what I'm here for. So download the guide and until next time, shine on. Thank you for listening to the reInvent Healthcare podcast. Join the movement of practitioners that are guiding people to actually get well rather than covering up their symptoms. Connect with us at reinventhealthcare.com to access resources and tools that will empower you to create a thriving health practice.